0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast. I'm your humble and gracious host, Rashad Horn. And on today's episode, I want to talk about museums. <laughs> yeah, that's right, museums. Um, I was going through a few articles just um just going through different media, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg. And one of the things that, excuse me, I came across was an article, which I don't subscribe to these particular sites. So I wasn't able to read the article, but the, the title said pandemic pushes museums deeper into digital age. Right. And so when I saw that, the first thing that I thought about was my first time going to a museum. I went to the Chicago Museum of Science and Industry. Uh, I probably was around, uh, i say maybe 11 or 12. And what was so interesting about that particular trip was the aspect that, being from Mississippi, I have family that migrated to Chicago during, you know, during the early what, 50s, 40s, whatever, you know, that particular time. And I have a grandmother that lives up there. But obviously, of course, like I said, I have family up there. So one of my uh, cousins, uh, she works at the museum. And so I got kind of like a a free day pass to go. And it was just eye-opening. I mean, I'm, I'm already fascinated by... Uh, a myriad of different things and this place it had it all it had the trains it had submarines I mean it just and even like I said even I'm 30 now and just remembering something that happened 18 17 years ago it's it's almost like it's it still resonates with me today and I mean I want to get back to that but uh, with the virus and the long-term effects that it that it may have, um, I don't know how realistic that's going to be. Now, obviously, a museum of 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 this stature, um, it probably is going to take a, f- a few lumps, and it's probably going to be all right. But there are multitude of other museums, so. While I was looking around, I stumbled across an article from the L.A. Times and the title was 16 percent of U.S. museums say they risk closing forever in a prolonged pandemic. Now, 16 percent doesn't seem like a a large, large number, um, especially when you take into consideration Based on this article, they spoke that there were roughly 648 uh, museum directors who uh, answered to a survey that they put out there from the American Alliance of Museums, and it says that 16% said that there was a significant risk that operations would cease within 16 months if coronavirus-related closures continue and institutions could not find financial relief. Now, like other things of this particular magnitude, uh, museums have endowments, right, similar to um, colleges that have endowments. But speaking about that, they spoke, well, it's printed in an article that endowments, as well as other financial reserves, are, not, are often not large enough to keep museums afloat very long. So it talked about the 521 museums that responded to a survey question about operating reserves. It said only one in three said it had reserves that would last a year or more, while the majority, which is 56 percent, said reserves would last six months or less. Six months or less. Now, again, as I'm going through this article, um, it just it opened my eyes to a lot of things right because like i said i remember my first time going to a museum and it was like one of the, the greatest things you know in the world it was a lot of things that you learn but i wasn't there necessarily to learn about stuff because obviously at that particular age i wasn't so much so into learning things as i was into looking at all of the cool historical uh things that they had they had old trains and you know old submarines and and things of that particular nature but me being in a a small town, whereas we don't necessarily have a museum um, of that particular magnitude in cities as well as states that have those type of museums, they also work as learning institutions in which, and like I said, I mean, I'm sure individuals that listen that are in these particular areas, you, you know about this, but I'm, again, I'm new to this because, again, I'm not, in an area where they have these type of things going on. But he talked about how, um, obviously, with schools being closed, some of the museums were able to offer um, learning-based things to help children kind of stay on top of things. And one of the things it, it brought up was the fact that those things cost money, Right. And in a sense, if they're not making money, they necessarily can't offer these particular things. And so it goes back into a thing of the have and have nots. So they talked about how, excuse me, that you're going to have parents who are going to be able to um, hire tutors. They're going to be able to get educational resources online and other enrichment opportunities for their children's. Right. But the rest of the students are going to miss out on so much because, as they say in this article, museums serve the masses, which means that you don't necessarily have to be in a particular tax bracket to go to a museum to learn something. And a lot of times there are individuals who. They could go to a museum or something and see something and it just it'll change their entire way of life but if you close something down like that then it it becomes a more so of a opportunity that is no longer there to help with their advancement and it all goes back to finances so when you um think about things like this and obviously um some individuals have their own opinions about certain museums as as the way that Things have been taken and and put into other museums and, you know, the spoils of war, you know, so to speak. But not necessarily here to to talk about that. And also going back to just the amount of jobs that are associated with the museum. So um, this is coming from a 2018 article. Uh, labeled well titled Museums as Economic Engines, it reported that museums are responsible for 726,000 salary, salaried and contract contracted jobs on an annual basis. That's a large chunk of individuals because if we've been paying well, I mean, how can you not pay attention to the unemployment rates <clears throat> we've had? million million or so people applying for unemployment the last few months. So essentially you have every single person that works in a museum essentially filing for unemployment, right? And it talked about how only 50% of museums, which is 50, so it's 50, 50 and 50, 50 is a, a large number, percent, it's a large percentage, said only 50 percent said they expect to reopen with the same number of staffers as before the pandemic. So that means there are 50 percent that aren't going to open with the same amount of staff. Right. And in a time like this, obviously, the people that are in demand the most um, for especially for large institutes like this museums um public transportation and stuff like that or individuals that are janitors people that do cleaning right so in effect you run the risk a lot of these institutions you're running the risk of not being able to hire or to bring about the People to come around and clean and sanitize things the way that they need to be sanitized due to financial factors that are abroad, right? So it's just a it's it's something I, I again, like I said, I, I've never uh, really thought about it because, like I said, I've only been to a museum one time. Um, well, not no. Let me take it back. The best museum I went to was the one in Chicago, Museum of Science and Industry. I went to the Civil Rights Museum in uh, Atlanta, and I didn't, I didn't like it so much. You know, it was it was it was interesting, but maybe I went into it with the wrong thought because when I seen Civil Rights, I thought it was just going to be dedicated to African Americans, but it was. More so dedicated to worldwide civil rights, right? Which is a a great thing because everyone deserves to be treated fairly. Um, so, but I just thought, hey, we in Atlanta, okay, this is gonna talk about uh, Garvey, you know, uh, Booker T. Go talk about all of the the icons that that came before us, but it didn't do that. And <laughs> talk about everybody. Uh, got to the top floor yeah the top floor and I'm looking around I'm like oh okay this is okay this is different I think uh, Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin was on one side of the evil people and then you had like uh, Gandhi uh, Mother Teresa I believe I think was on the other side but all in all it was a, it was an interesting um type of thing and also like the Ripley's believe it or not type of museum type things um i enjoy those type of things you know um those things are also things that you know make you excited so to speak regardless of you know regardless of age Uh, my wife and i went to one out in uh in texas i think it was in austin i may have been in fort worth or Arlington, one of those particular areas. But it was a Ripley's Believe It or Not thing, and it was, I mean, it was interesting And we went to one at the zoo in Memphis. And that's another, you know, large place where you got to take things into consideration as well because you have people that have to go out and feed animals, and you have to have food for the animals. I know we went to uh, the Memphis Zoo. And we went on a Saturday, and it happened to be time for them to feed the crocs. And so I was like, you know me, <laughs> I was thinking like, man, they're going to bring like, you know, I'm thinking about like Jurassic Park. Like they're going to bring a whole goat out of here. I mean, it's not going to be alive, but like they're going to bring a whole goat out of here and they're going to feed it. And then people brought out a two-piece white. <laughs> They brought out like a two-piece white and they said that hey I think that they say they feed them like yeah feed them like once a week and so that two-piece white that'll that'll hold them over for the rest of the you know the rest of the week and I'm like you talking about something in excess of I believe what of a thousand pounds or whatever like that maybe in excess of a ton or something and you give it a two-piece white and <laughs> that's that hey you give me a two-piece white at 8 a.m., hey, by 4 p.m., 5 p.m., hey, I'm ready for some more. So to say that you can give it to a crock and that's it, you know, I don't know. And if anybody watched the um, Joe Exotic doc, um, <sighs> wildest thing I ever heard. But going back to the feeding, how they were just getting the food from um, Walmart, and how when finances started getting crunched, you know, they didn't necessarily, they were dependent. So, so depending upon the Walmart that when the Walmart truck wasn't there, you know, things had to go, animals had to go and things like that. So it's, it's really going to change the, uh, the landscape of a lot of tourism and things like that. So, um, you know, getting back to this particular article, it talked about uh, they coupled art museums, historical societies, science, aquariums, and botanical gardens. And it stated that 62% of them said, stated that they had annual operating expenses, it, annual operating expenses in excess of a million or more dollars. Right. So you got to think. They don't really, they don't knock you over the head to go to these places. Right i will knock you over the head to go to these places. And kind of going back to the Chicago Museum of, of Science and, and Industry, uh, in 2016, it, it stated that it had roughly 1.5 million visitors that year. So you got to think, you know, like I said, they're not knocking you over the head with these prices and things like this. So... You, you're you essentially getting in there at a, a reasonable rate because they know they're going to get large amounts of people in. So it, it kind of makes me think about uh, a buddy of mine. We were talking about, like, sporting events, and I stated whether well, they were going to use social distancing and things of that particular nature, if they at least want to try to make um, the bottom line or the break even – point that they're usually making then they're gonna have to charge more per ticket for less people so essentially one person is going to be buying two maybe three tickets you know the the value of two to three tickets for one ticket and so it it kind of makes it look like that some of these museums probably may have to you know go up and ticket prices to maybe hold their head above water or You may have some mergers and acquisitions from larger museums, buying uh, smaller museums and moving their um, inventory to their place, opening up new wings and stuff like that. Because, again, like I said, it comes back to the have and have nots. The haves are going to continue to have and the have nots are going to continue to try to, you know, keep their head above water. So, I mean, it's 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 a very very um interesting ordeal when you really when you really look at it. I mean, the virus has been very crippling to the economy and a lot of a lot of uh industries, you know, and some of these industries they were already kind of on their last leg and this just kind of puts them you know, over the top, especially when you look at like the retail sector, when you have um, Amazon value just continues to go through the roof because they're not so concerned about having a brick and mortar store. They're a digital business and they have the warehouses and stuff like that. But as far as just face-to-face interactions and things like that, they don't necessarily, they're not so much so worried about Um, those type of things, so um, and kind of going back to my initial statement from the article from the Wall Street Journal is pushing museums deeper into the digital age. So, when we talk about the digital age, um, if anyone has been keeping up, they are working on things now as far as virtual reality and AI and virtual reality is looking to, well, you know what? I'm going to give you an example, right? Um, I drive trucks as a profession. I own my own truck, things of that particular nature. And so it was uh, it's a YouTube page. I forgot what the name of the page was, but they have a, a computer game called American Trucker. Or something like that I can't um the name uh, misses me but anyway it's a computer game and I I downloaded it. I played it on my computer but what you have is you have individuals who are um, crafty right they they're good with computers and so what they've done so initially when the game started you had a limited amount well Not when the game started, but when the game released. American Truck Simulator, that's the name of it, American Truck Simulator. So when it starts off, you only have a few trucks, and I believe you could only run the state of California. And the state of California, you were only running through certain states. So what individuals have done, they've modified the game because I believe you can do a lot more mods with a computer game versus a a console-based game so the last i checked now they have added maps in mexico they have texas they have nevada they have wyoming i believe the dakotas and things of that particular nature and and as well as the actual brand name of stores on the video game but again like i said these are just mods. I don't know how that works in copyright infringement type of stuff, but these are just modifications you can have as well as uh, more trucks. So I was sitting the other night, me and my wife, and I was just looking the guy. He has the whole steering wheel, chair, shifter. I believe he had like maybe an iPad or Microsoft Surface or something that had like the gauges, like for those who've been in a, a truck, you have – uh, Your trailer break, you have your truck break, you have Jake breaks, you have lights and, you know, all type of different dials and stuff like that. And so the reason I'm tying this into this is because of the fact that they have modified that video game so much so that if you never been to Mexico, if you've never been to Nevada, if you've never been to California. Right. Which is something that a lot of people probably haven't. Right. I've never been to California. You know, I've never been to Mexico, but a video game has allowed for you to have modifications, which essentially is virtual reality in which you can sit. You're simulating yourself being in a truck, driving a truck, going through these actual locations that you've never been to before. Right. And so that's some of the things that these larger museums are doing. They're offering virtual tours of the museums and you don't have to go there so i've seen articles and heard podcasts of individuals talking about hey they're looking to have virtual reality in which you can go and see the pyramids the great pyramids as well as all the seven or eight wonders of the world all those particular different things like that so Whereas these particular things, now me being me, I'm in a generation, I like to physically see things. I like to be physically there. I like to take pictures. But, again, I'm a generation of, I, I didn't, I grew up throughout the era when Internet first came and social media, but I also was there when there was no Internet. There was no social media. But now you have a generation that's behind me that that's all that they know. So it wouldn't make them a bit of difference if they never went anywhere, if they could just virtually go there. Right. And I don't know how they're going to, you know, monetize these particular different things like this. And I'm sure, you know, just like they're talking about having commercial uh, space shuttles go to the moon. I'm sure right behind that is, okay. well, we get that out the way. We can study the surface. Get individuals in, make mods, and okay, now we can release virtual reality. You can go to the moon. You can get your Neil Armstrong on. You know, you can jump. You can Houston, we have a problem. You can do all of that, right? And so again, like I say, uh, museums, aquariums, all these particular different things, which at the same token, it 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 also opens up for them to essentially maybe do more, right? maybe do more, maybe be a situation like, you know, I know when my wife and I went to the Atlanta Zoo, not the zoo, but the aquarium, yeah, a situation where you can go up there and, and pet dolphins and do all that stuff and touch the, the stingrays and all those particular different things like that. So those things are going to be virtual moving forward due to the pandemic. So, again, the pandemic, it's – it's just expediting stuff that was already in the works and now it's more incentivized to push forward because now you have more startups. that are going to be coming out and they're going to be in works with museums to get um, sketches and diagrams and then they can upload it up on software and then they can turn around and release it. And again, you and I can be in our living room and put the little, virtual reality thing on our head and boom pick a city pick a place let's go don't never actually have to go there obviously you know I feel like stuff like that is going to be you know brought in over time but it's been put on notice that hey germs hey social distancing so they want to go to these different places you know again you know like museums and stuff like that Now obviously certain things people still gonna go you know I feel like cruises and you know maybe even airplanes but certain things where you may not want to go all the way over there like if you never want to like if you never felt that hey I could go to another continent or something like that there's technology on the way right so you know that's what I was just thinking like back to that video game like I said you could only run the state of California and some Nevada and now they got a whole map for Mexico and Texas, and I'm sure they'll probably start, you know, moving further over, and that video game could probably be the entire 50 states, and I think they said they were working on Alaska, right, for, you know, a video game, so (laughs) the options are endless, right, so again, like I say, the halves, which are some of the big-time museums and things like that, I think they'll probably be all right, more than likely they're going to be all right, but some of the, the smaller museums and things like that, they're probably going to take um, a major hit, obviously, because it's, it's a tourist attraction, right? So if you don't have tourists coming, then obviously, as well as not, you know, having stay-at-home orders, you know, your, your payroll is going to start to increase. And obviously, we know that Government is going to come through with new mandates for cleaning and things like that, and you're just not going to have the payroll to do it, and you're, in effect, probably going to have to raise prices, and people are going to say, hey, the value that I'm getting is not representative of the value that I get, so the price that you're giving me, the value's not in there, right, so, you're essentially going to have to turn away customers. And then, like I said, prior is going to become a situation where you're going to have mergers and acquisitions. Larger museums are going to buy you out, get your stuff, move it to a central location, and all that good stuff like that. So, you know, it's just rinse and repeat. It's the same type of thing over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. But that's another episode of Paradigm 132 Podcast. So if you like me, Let's go to a museum, man. <laughs> let's go to a museum. Let's let's support uh the big and small museums, right? Let's go. Um let's go have a good time. But be back to you again next week. Peace.